That's our God is in the business of transforming people's lives. So uh, it was fun to be a part of that. We want to just, those 10 of you who were baptized, just know our prayers, our thoughts are with you. We, we're praying that this is going to be uh, something God uses in your life to take you to that next level of living and his plan that he has for each one of you. Uh, just a few things before I jump into the message. Um, first off, I want to let you know Rock the Block is coming. Uh, we didn't do Rock the Block last year, this fun family event uh, that we do for our community. And that's really why we do it. We do it to bless our community, to, to show our love to those, uh, to our neighbors around us. But uh, that's coming up September 12th, and to do that well, we're going to need volunteers. So just want to throw that out there. Start thinking about being a part of what God's going to do this, this year uh, at Rock the Block. Uh, also tonight, hey, prayer and worship. We've got an opportunity uh, to, to, to get after it and just to pursue the Lord, to seek the Lord with all of our hearts. Really want to encourage you to be a part of that prayer and worship at 6 o'clock uh, tonight upstairs. Uh, they do provide, um, there's people that will watch your kids uh, from Walker's age to age 7. So for those of you who have little ones, uh, just know uh, that uh, there will be people to take care of your kids so you can be a part of that. Uh, and then one thing I do want to talk to you, church, about is, hey, uh, we, we, we've had a lot of discussion around this, but we have decided that as we move forward, even into September, for now, we're going to stay at one service, okay? Um, we do plan to eventually go back to two services. We're hoping to do that this fall, but I can tell you, in order to do that, to go back to two services, we are going to need people to step up and volunteer, okay? We want to pull off two services, but we, we want to do it well. We want quality over quantity. Does that make sense? Okay. And so especially in our children's ministry area, we don't want to do child care. We want to do children's ministry. Okay. And to do that for two services, we're going to need people to step up and invest in these little ones' lives that God is blessing our church with. Uh, parents, I would say if you have kids that are in our children's ministry, you can serve once a month. I would ask you to consider as, as we gear up for the fall and get back into the rhythm of things, serving once a month. Once we get the volunteers in place, we'll look at going back to two services. But for now, just want to put that on your radar. We're going to stay at one service and uh, play it by ear. See when we get to that point where we can go back to two. And again, church, I just want to say thank you for being part of um, the baptism service last week. It's exciting. Is it not to be a part of what God's doing in this place? Are you excited to see the mission lived out? That's what we're about, friends, investing in eternal things. And God loves people. God loves those individuals you just saw baptized. And he, God has made the ultimate investment for them. And so we get to be a part of that, and I hope that excites you. I'm excited for what God is doing here at Edinburgh Church. Right now we're in a series called Taking Ground, Pushing Back the Darkness. And the hope for this series, really where I hope to get us by the end of the series, is to have many of us experience chains broken in our life. Chains, bondage. Last week we talked about strongholds. I'd like to see those things broken in our life. I've told you, even your pastor is realizing he has chains in his life that still need to be broken. And if I had to guess, I bet all of us have some kind of chain, something that holds us back. And so through the rest of the series, we're going to talk next week. We're going to talk about sex. Well, sex is a beautiful, wonderful thing that God designed when not handled properly. It can lead to chains and bondage in our life. And so just parents, be aware next week we're going to talk about that. 
And then we're going to end the series talking about generational curses. Okay? This is something many of us have grown up in church and never heard about, but the Bible actually teaches that we are affected by things that past generations, past family members did. And it can lead to chains and bondage in our life. The good news is, through Jesus Christ, those chains can start to be broken. Okay? And so we're going to get after it in this series and start walking in the freedom Jesus died for us to walk in. That's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to walk. What if your life, I just want you to picture right now, what if you were a more loving person? What if your heart was just, just overflowing with more love for God and for people? What would that look like for your life? What if your life, you were just a more joy-filled person? Everywhere you went, people just saw joy radiating from you. What if you were filled with peace? Just a non-anxious presence everywhere you went. I want to be more like that. I don't know about you. If we're going to walk in that freedom, friends, we're going to need chains broken in our life. So that's what this series is about, okay? Uh, many years ago, uh, a friend of mine, we were at the coffee shop, and he said, I dare you to try a shot of espresso. Now, have any of you ever had a shot of just pure espresso, concentrated espresso? I said, no, I've, I've never done that. And I was like, I don't think so. I mean, I've had espresso with like milk in it and stuff like that. But I'm like, I don't want a shot of espresso. He's like, I dare you to try a shot of espresso. He's like, it's good. You, you will love it. And I'm like, no, I don't, it just doesn't seem that good to me. Like, I don't think, I want to waste my money on that. He's like, okay, I double dog dare you. With a cherry on top. Now, what are you going to do when somebody double dog dares you? especially with a cherry on top? I said, fine, I'll get the, I'll get the espresso. I'm going to try this. So they, they serve me out to get the machine going, give me out this little shot of espresso. Just like, mm. And it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> just as you would imagine. Like I needed something to chase this with. It was terrible. Why was it so bad? Okay, now I know some of you, you're like, I love shots of espresso. You are different. <laughs> I want to hear about your refined palate, all right? Most of us would find it absolutely disgusting. Why? It's bitter. It is bitter. That's probably the most bitter thing I've ever uh, had to drink, okay? And uh, most of us would agree, we don't really like bitter. We like sweet, we like maybe even sometimes sour, we like salty. But bitter is one of those things that most of us, we don't really prefer something that's just bitterness, that's just bitter. Now, it's one thing to talk about food, and it's one thing to talk about drink, okay? It's another thing when our soul grows bitter. And other people who come in contact with us, they experience that, that bitterness that overflows out of our life, Okay? Jesus says in John 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. The reality is, we are going to have trouble in this world. Life is hard, especially at times. Let's just be real. And if we're not careful, we can grow bitter. We can grow bitter because of the world that we live in. Some of us this morning, maybe you're experiencing some bitterness because of something somebody did to you. 
And maybe it's even not a big thing. Maybe it was just something in the last few weeks. Maybe something just someone said that got under your skin. Or something someone did to you or said behind your back. And you didn't even realize it. Because we're so used to living in this troubled world that you didn't even realize it. But you've, you've been kind of bitter. And people around you have sensed that. Maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe the dog. I don't know. Maybe they sense that you've just grown a little bitter and you don't even realize that you're harboring this bitterness in your heart because of something small that happened in your life. Uh, Some of you, it wasn't something small. For some of you, it was something big. Something terrible happened. And it's made your soul bitter. And by the way, as your pastor who loves you, I just want to say I am sorry for whatever that was. And maybe you feel like something in your life was lost. Trust, innocence, I don't know what it might have been, but it's caused your soul to grow bitter. Sometimes the things people do in our lives can, can make us bitter. It can be a, a, it can be a, a parent, it can be a, a child, it can be a spouse, it can be an ex-spouse, it can be a bad relationship, it could be a stranger. And we live in a troubled world, and if we're not careful, our souls can grow bitter because of what others do to us. For some of us, it's not somebody else, it's, it's, our, it's, it's something we did. It's a mistake on our, on our own end that's made us bitter. And sometimes we make mistakes, and, and I was talking with someone after the service last week, after the message last week, and we were saying, you know, one of the lies that Satan loves to tell is he'll forgive you if you weren't a Christian and then you become a Christian, but what about when you're a Christian and you mess up? Satan will love to tell you God can't forgive you because you should have known better. Some of you are hearing that lie right now. God can't forgive me because of something I did because I should have known better. And we're talking about that is one of Satan's favorite lies that he tells. You know, if you grew up in the church or at least have been around the church or know enough of the Bible, you should have known better. And we, so we were talking about, what about King David, though? King David knew better. And yet King David ended up having an affair and then killed Bathsheba's husband to cover it up. That's why in Psalm 51, David says, do not cast me from your presence, God. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Why did he say that? Because he had been in the presence of the Lord and he had the Holy Spirit. He knew better. And you know what? God did forgive David. He didn't even remove his kingship from him. Wow. He did Saul. Why? Because Saul wasn't repentant. Saul wasn't a man after God's own heart. Saul was a man after his own heart. David was a man who felt sorrow and repented, and so God forgave him. But it doesn't mean there weren't consequences in his life. And sometimes, friends, it's the consequences, even if we know we've been forgiven, even if we know we've been washed clean, it is the consequences that we are dealing with. And some of you have grown bitter because of those consequences of a mistake you made. Sometimes it's not even sin. Sometimes it's just a failure at something or something you didn't succeed at, and maybe you find your soul growing bitter. And then here's another one. Some of us come in here today, and if we were to be totally honest, and right, we're trying to remove the mask. We're trying to move beyond our masks. If some of you were honest, you would say, I'm actually bitter at God. Bitter for something that God allowed to happen in my life. Why would God have let, let, let that happen? Why would God have allowed that? And some of us are even harboring bitterness towards 
towards God. And let me just say, this is a safe place. It's okay to be honest about that. God can handle it. By the way, he already knows your heart. The question is, do you know your heart? Because some of us, were bitter towards God this morning. There's a woman in the Bible named Naomi who was bitter towards God. In fact, we read about this in Ruth, the book of Ruth. Naomi had lost her husband and even her sons had died. And she, along with Ruth, come into Jerusalem. And uh, the women are celebrating that Naomi has come back home. Naomi is here, they say. And then we read in Ruth 1.20, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant or sweet. Do not say that my life is pleasant. Do not say that my life is sweet. She told them, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. She was bitter towards God because of her loss. And maybe that's some of us this morning as well. Well, what do we do about that? What do we do when our soul has grown bitter? Whether because of something small that's happened recently, something in our past. I want us to see something that the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2. Let me just read this for us. He says, I am not overstating it. He's writing this to the church of Corinth. When I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Okay, so what's the context here? What's happened? This man that he's talking about goes back to 1 Corinthians 1. We read about this man who was having an affair with his stepmom. And this created a huge problem, okay, in the church. It created like a division in the church. And it hurt the church. And it hurt people. And he's saying, you know, that this, this caused you trouble. That hurt you. Verse 6, he says, most of you, not all of you, but most of you opposed him. And that was punishment enough. Now, what is the punishment he's talking about here? Well, because of the trouble he was causing, uh, Paul had, the apostle Paul had the church um, cast this man out of the church, okay? Now, here's where some of you would say, but I thought the church was a place for sinners. I thought the church was a place for people who are struggling and do have sin in their life to come and find help and hear the gospel. It is. The difference here is this man was boasting about his sin. He was proud of his sin, and he was leading other people away. And so Paul had this man kicked out, not to harm this man ultimately, although it says he had the authority, he handed this man over to Satan. But it wasn't to ultimately harm him, it was so that this man would be repentant and would be saved. And he was which is why Paul says in verse 7, now, however, it is time for you to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. Do you see here Paul's heart for this man? He says, so I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Okay, so Paul is ultimately wanting to see this man restored, comforted, forgiven. Verse 10, he says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. 
And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Why? So that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. Do you see the problem of holding on to a grudge? Do you see the problem when we harbor bitterness in our heart? What is Paul saying? You give a foothold for Satan in your life. You allow the enemy to come in and wreak havoc on your life when you harbor bitterness in your heart. And so the key here is we have to forgive. We have to forgive, okay? And some of you know last week I didn't even tell you what the topic was this week. And I didn't even put it in the connection news that went out. I didn't want anyone knowing what I was talking about because some of you, if you knew I was going to talk about forgiveness this week, you wouldn't have shown up. <laughs> and I love you too much to cause you not to show up. I wanted you here. And if you're a person who's harboring something, I'm so glad you're here this morning because I'm hoping that chains are going to start to be broken in your life. This word forgiveness, by the way, it, it, it comes from the Latin word in the English. It comes from a Latin word that means to pardon. But the Greek word, the biblical word, it, 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 it comes from the Greek word where we get the word grace, charis. And, and grace is to show or to receive something that isn't deserved. That's what we're doing when we're forgiving. We're offering something that isn't deserved, but we're pardoning, pardoning that person anyways. It's not deserved, but we are pardoning them. It might be somebody else. It might be ourself. Because God has forgiven us, we can pardon ourselves. And I know it sounds weird, but some of us, God obviously doesn't deserve <laughs> our forgiveness, we know that intellectually, but sometimes our hearts have a hard time catching up to that. Richard Siemens, in his book, Healing Damaged Emotions, talks about sometimes we need to even just forgive God in a sense. To let that go and to turn it over to him so that we can be set free from whatever we're holding on to. Now let me talk about what forgiveness is not, okay? When I talk about forgiveness... Because I know this is going to be a struggle for some of us. Let me just bring some clarity. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Sometimes we need to be aware of what happened, what somebody did, what we did, so we can learn from it. And in some cases, you're going to have to have boundaries, friends. It's good and right sometimes to have boundaries. It's good and right sometimes to have to avoid somebody altogether. Okay? You can still forgive that person. Pardon them, not hold on to that bitterness in your heart any longer, but that doesn't mean you have to forget and not keep those boundaries in place. Forgiveness does not mean, okay, forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean no justice. I think sometimes when we hear the word forgiveness, we think, okay, that means that person just gets off scot-free, there's no justice in the world. Not true. God is a God of justice. We need to know this. He is a just God. He's a loving God. I thought he was a love God. He is a loving God, but he is a just God as well. It is one of his attributes, and God does not change. Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And so God will repay in one of two ways. You need to know this. Those of you who are needing to forgive somebody today. He's either going to repay it in that person 
in this life, in the next life to come, or he's going to repay it in Jesus Christ at the cross. Because that person's going to have a repentant heart, a change of heart, recognize that what they did was wrong, and when they repent, we know through Christ we can be forgiven of our sin. But either way, that sin will be repaid. The question is whether it will be in that person or whether that person will have a change of heart, recognize what they've done is wrong, and it will be repaid in Jesus. But God is a God of justice, and he will repay. And so when you forgive and you let go, what you are ultimately doing is saying, God, I trust that person over to you. I'm giving them over to you so that I can be set free, and I will let you be the God of my life. I'm going to start walking in freedom. Does that make sense? That's what we want to do. We want to turn it over to God and start walking in freedom, okay? Here's the last thing I'll say. Forgiveness does not mean waiting till you feel like it. (laughs) Because that's what some of us are. Once I feel better, then I'll forgive. You might never get to a place where you feel better, okay? It's not based on a feeling, friends. It's got to be a choice. You have got to make a conscious choice. Some of you are saying, no, God, give me the strength. Help me to forgive. That's a good and right prayer. But here's what I want you to understand. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, God is already giving you the help and the strength you need. Now, you've got to make a conscious choice. I choose to forgive so-and-so. I choose to forgive myself. God, I even choose to let you off the hook. Might have to say that. It's not waiting until you feel like it. Friends, I would even encourage you at this point to, if somebody has harmed you or something that you're feeling in your own life or something just life has done to you, I'm just going to encourage this right now. Can we just stop, pause, maybe even bow our heads? And can I just pray for us real quick? Let's just say, Heavenly Father, right now, whatever that is that's caused bitterness in our life, would you just reveal that to our hearts? If there's names of others, would you just bring those people to our mind? If it's something we've done and it's caused us bitter, maybe we find ourselves even sabotaging ourselves because of this anger we have towards ourselves. God, I swear, would you reveal that to us? And Lord, if it's even something it's, we, we, we haven't been aware, but it's been you. <laughs> we've been bitter towards you, like Naomi. Would you just reveal that to our hearts? And God, I'm going to pray right now that you would even, with your delicate hands, even help us to feel that pain a little bit. We'd feel that, what was done, so that we can deal with it, so we can confront it, and so we can begin to be freed from it. I'm going to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the question is, friends, um, you know, if we're going to forgive, like, how, how do we go about that? And what I want to do with just the rest of our time is I just want to ask you two questions that what I'm hoping it's going to do is give you some perspective for your life that's going to, that's going to help you in this process of forgiving whoever you need to forgive, whoever you need to let off the hook. You need to let off the hook. And by the way, when you let them off the hook, friends, you're not ultimately freeing that person. That person may never change. Who you are freeing is who? Yourself. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be free to walk in the freedom, the love, the joy, and the peace 
Jesus came to die for, okay? So let me ask you these two questions. And here's the first question. And I say this with such, ask this question with such humility as your pastor who loves you. I want you to know. But I believe it's true where I'm going to go with it, okay? Here's my first question. Do you believe that God can turn your hurt into something good for your life? Because I believe this is going to help you in the process of forgiving. If you had a trust, do you believe that God can take that hurt in your life and he can turn it into something good for your life? Do you really believe that? You know, I read uh, about Ruth earlier in Ruth 1, verse 20. I'm just going to read this again. She says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me sweet. She told them, call me Mara, bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Can we, can we resonate with this woman? She has, she's experienced terrible loss in her life, and she's grown bitter as a result. And who can't empathize and sympathize with this woman who's gone through that? And she's at this point where she's basically like, just let me die. Like, my life is over. By the way, in these times, these ancient times, okay, your kids, your sons primarily, were your inheritance. So without them, you didn't have a future. You would die pretty early in a, as a widow. She's just basically like, let me die now. My life is over. I've lost everything. But she hasn't lost one person, a woman named Ruth, who's going to stick at her side. Ruth is her daughter-in-law. She's from uh, a foreign land. She's a Canaanite. But the other daughter-in-law leaves, goes back to her homeland. Ruth sticks to her side. And as Naomi and Ruth develop this relationship, Naomi begins to start hoping again. Little hope begins sparking in Naomi's heart. And she begins wondering, is there, maybe, is there maybe a little hope for my life? And so, so Naomi's going to come up with this idea, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. I need to find Ruth a man. <laughs> a good man. All right, now listen to this. This is from... We, you know, move to chapter 3 here. It says, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Listen to this. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. She's basically telling her, Ruth, like, clean yourself up. Make yourself presentable. Smell nice. <laughs> and let's go find you a man. And so she, he, she, she goes to this Boaz, and, 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 and I, again, this is your pastor's paraphrasing translation. But Boaz sees Ruth and says, that woman looked good. <laughs> I like her. And he starts providing food for both Ruth and Naomi. And he starts taking care of them. And then we fast forward. Boaz is going to propose to Ruth. And they're going to get married. We read this in chapter 4. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. 
the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer, without a redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Talking about the son, this son who's going to take care of her. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Wow, so God has provided. God has provided her. Now she gets to be a grandma. She has a son again, a grandson in her life. But it gets even better. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. You know what that means, friends? Obed is the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of David, King David. You know who King David is? The great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ. You realize who Naomi just became? The great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Not only did God redeem her life, God used her life to become part of the redemptive story for all of our lives. That's what our God can do. I have a feeling Naomi is not sitting in heaven. Bitter. Because her God showed up and redeemed her life and used her life in the greatest story that's ever been told. Do you believe that God can take your hurt and turn it into something good in your life? I'll just ask you the question right now, because see, I know my God. He's a redeemer. He's a God who redeems, who takes broken things and makes them beautiful again. Maybe even more beautiful than they were before. And I would just ask you the question, do you know this God? Do you know Yahweh? I'm not talking about your, 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 your false idol. Or this false God that you have worshipped for whatever purpose that you wanted. I'm talking about Yahweh, the one true God, the most high God. Have you been able to cut through your idols and cut through the false temptations of this world to find Yahweh in your heart? Because when you do, I'm telling you, who you're going to find is the most high God who redeems those who come to him. He is a redeeming God. That's why we read in Romans 8, 28, kind of sums all this up when it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, I, I have used this illustration before, but it's kind of like a cake. Think about a cake. You ever thought about the ingredients that are in a cake? You got flour. You got baking soda. You got vanilla extract. I mean, raw eggs. Are any of those ingredients good in and of themselves? Sugar, maybe. My kids would maybe like the sugar. <laughs> but besides that, if you've ever tried vanilla extract, it is bitter. And here's what's amazing. God takes all those ingredients, you put in the bitterness, and what do you get? You get a cake. 
God takes the bitter and he turns it into something better. And he can do that in your life. Friends, he has done this in my life. The reason I am before you today, preaching to you today, standing up here before you today, is because of the hurt and the pain from my past that God used to humble me, to lead me to Jesus Christ, and to say, now start telling others about this Jesus. And he has filled my life with purpose. And what I've come to learn is the greatest purpose you can have, being a minister unto the Lord. And I don't mean being called a pastor, officially working for a church. I just mean being a, someone who knows Jesus and is being used for God's kingdom purposes. I've said it before, God can take your greatest misery and he can turn it into your greatest misery. Whatever's happened to you here on earth, God can take it and he can use it in your life to start helping, blessing, comforting other people. Do you believe that God can take your hurt and turn it into something good for your life? If not, I want you to meet Yahweh, my God, because <laughs> he will do that for you. Okay, I'm going to ask you this last question, and I'm going to be really quick with this one, but this is important for us, okay? Have you ever needed forgiveness yourself? <laughs> if I had to guess, probably. Now, here's where some of you would say, yeah, but what I did doesn't even compare to what somebody else did to me. And maybe you're right. I believe you. But at the same time, I guess I would ask, um, what, about, what about your sin against God? Friends, do you realize that when we sinned, we put Jesus up on the cross? Do you, do we, have we lost sight as a church and God's people who focus so much on love and God's grace, have, have we forgot why we need that grace? We need that grace because we all, every single one of us, have rebelled against the most holy God. Every single one of us turned our back on him at some point. This is what one author called cosmic treason. All of us are guilty of that. All of us are guilty at one point or another joining Team Satan rather than being on Team Jesus, saying, God, I'm going to do things the way I want to do it. I don't want to do the way things, the way you say they should be done. I don't want to do things according to your word. I'm going to do what I want to do. Every single one of us is guilty of that, not living in obedience. And then if you remember the movie The Passion, there's that scene where Jesus is being crucified on the cross and you see a hammer come up, nailing that nail into his hand. That was actually Mel Gibson's uh, hand holding that hammer. The director, Mel Gibson, why? Because he understood something. I put Jesus on that cross. Have you recognized that in your own life? I put Jesus on that cross. It was my sin that nailed Jesus to that cross. It's like we were all there. But crucify him. Get out of my life. All of us at one point or another have been guilty of saying that. Maybe not in those words. It's what we were doing. It's what our actions said. And what does Jesus say when well, we read this in Luke 23? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. What was the heart of Jesus even as we rebelled against him? Father, forgive them. That's why I'm making this sacrifice. Friends, have you realized the forgiveness you have been shown if you are in Christ Jesus? You have been forgiven more... <laughs> Then you can imagine when we sin against people, it's a finite. But when we sin, I mean, we sin against God, because we're sinning against an eternal God, which is why the punishment is eternal if we don't find Jesus and receive grace in his name 
by his sacrifice for us. But when we do, who are we then to not forgive? Ultimately, here's why we forgive, friends. And I hope you're with me, church. We forgive because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And this is what our Jesus did. It is a matter of obedience. Are we going to be Christian? Are we going to step into our identity and be who God has called us to be? Are we going to step into being sons and daughters of the Most High God, recognizing that hard things happen in this world, but we don't live ultimately for this world. We live for the eternal world that is to come. And in the meantime, it is our job to forgive, to love, and even to bless our enemies. It is a matter of being a disciple of Jesus. But we can understand that if we will trust God as his disciples, he will take every hurt and he will take every pain and he will turn it into something positive for our life. And we will receive the greatest forgiveness of all, the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ for our eternal salvation. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is why Jesus taught us to pray. May we find forgiveness, Father, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So friends, here's what I want to do. I want to close this out, and I just want to give us an opportunity as we feel that pain and work through that to just, in our hearts, release those individuals, release ourselves, maybe even release God uh, today. And so would you just bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we do want to be your disciples. We want to be like you. Would you help us today? We know your spirit's already with us and that you want to help us to do this, God. So now I'm going to ask that you would spark something in each one of our hearts that would enable us to make that choice to forgive whoever it is that needs to be forgiven, to let off the hook whoever it is that needs to be let off the hook. And so, Lord, we're going to pray, Lord, I choose to forgive And I'm going to ask you, church, whoever that person is in your heart right now, just reveal that to God. Just in your heart, Lord, I choose to forgive. Name it. I choose to forgive that person. I choose to forgive those individuals for what they did, for what happened, even though it has made me feel this way, even though I lost something, Lord. I choose to forgive. Lord, I choose not to hold any of these things against. Name that person or those individuals any longer. I let it go. I turn it over to you, God, and trust you with it. Whether it be another person, whether it be myself, whether it be just a life situation that's happened, I turn it over to you, Lord, and let it go out of my heart. I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm not going to harbor bitterness any longer. And so, Lord, now, and this is for those of you who are willing to go that next step, I even choose to bless. And I pray for them today, Lord. Whoever that person is, whoever those people are, pray for them today. 
And we're going to pray for all of this. In Jesus' name, as your followers, as your disciples, and all God's people said, amen.